Good morning. My name is David Goliath. If you were here yesterday, you would know that. If you weren't, uh, welcome. It's Disability Awareness Week, and we are delighted to have this time together to really make you more aware of what's going on on our campus and around the world, really, with disabilities. But specifically this year, we're focusing on our campus because uh, other times we have had speakers come in from around the world, and we realize again that, you know, that's nice to hear from them and yet you maybe can't relate to them because they leave town and then you never talk to them. So we selected this year about a dozen people that are on campus that you can, in a sense, rub shoulders with, get to know, understand more about their disability and how the Lord is working in their lives, the journey that they're on, and we're just delighted to be able to do that. So through yesterday, you hopefully, if you were here, you heard from Dawnette Scott and her story about hearing loss. And then today, we've got a couple of speakers, David and Grace, and then we will um, have panels tomorrow and the day after in the alternative chapels. So a lot of different people, faculty, staff, students, and hopefully you can get to know them better and better as we go through this week. Well, one of the things we've talked about and our theme is living and learning with one another, and that's very important that we are doing this together as a community. And one of the passages that have come to light as we've talked about disability services is the whole idea of uh, what Jesus said in John chapter nine. And if you know that story at all, it is where Jesus and the disciples are walking down the road and they come across this blind man and the blind man wants to be healed and somebody says, how come this person, uh, who sinned here? Is it is the parents or is he sinned? What's going on? And the way Jesus answers, he ends it with, this is done that the works of God would be displayed in him. Well, there it is, a disability, somebody born with blindness, and then years and years later, Jesus comes along. So it is that God's glory can be shown, that this can be demonstrated to people around. So it's really quite interesting to see how God deals with disabilities and how scripture addresses disabilities all through scripture. It's again and again, God is using people with disabilities as he does many other people, but disabilities is not kind of put to the side. It is just part of life. Anyway, that is uh, where we're headed today and I hope that you'll be involved in some of the other things in the days to come. Well, today we are also giving out awards for what we call Friend of ADA, and you had emails and announcements on the journal about that where you could nominate people, and different people were nominated. So the selection was done, and we have a student that we're going to give a gift to and say thank you, and also a faculty staff person. So for the first person, we have Gary Muma that is here somewhere. Uh, yes, some of you know him well. We have some words up there that came across in the uh, um, uh, nomination about it. He's uh, attentive, gentle, tender-hearted, and what more could you ask from Santa, right? Um, but Gary has demonstrated many things um, in his really short time here at Northwestern and how he cares about students especially, wants them to succeed, and knows about disabilities and how he can just um, encourage people, he can bring life to their lives, and really explain and show God's glory through that. So Gary, thank you so much for what you've done. You've 
presented in Club Soda and other times shared that. Here is, we heard uh, Dunkin' Donuts is a fun place for you. Okay, yes, you can share it and uh, in guise of, so, and it was, it's red, so that we tried to keep a little red in the theme, so, yeah. Yes, oh, yes, you may. Uh-oh, but it's gotta be short. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> you know, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I have a significant disability. And now my boss is gonna hear this for the very first time, he didn't even know it. Um, I really, every day is a journey with clinical depression. And so I have the same anxiety that you do. Um, every day I get up and wonder if today's the day that I survive. And I've lived that way for 40 years. And yet, you can't say that God hasn't used me significantly uh, in that. Um, I wouldn't take it away for anything because that's the way I'm wired. It's not because of sin in my life, it's because I don't have enough serotonin and dopamine in the brainstem. It's all about neurotransmitters. So if some theologian wants to debate me, let's bring it down mano a mano. <laughs> because it's a physical situation, and God has used that so much over the years, I wouldn't change anything. And so when I have students that say they're anxious and they have issues, I know exactly where you're coming from, and God can use you more than he ever imagined. So. Thank you very much. pleasure to present the Friend of ADA Award to one of your peers, Emma Larson. Emma, will you come and receive your award? <laughs> Emma has been president of Club Soda for the past two years. Club Soda stands for Students of Disability Awareness, and they work around campus hosting events to raise awareness of disabilities. Under Emma's leadership, the club has grown in size and influence. Emma brings enthusiasm and joy to all that she does. She cares about all people that God crosses her path with. Emma has been described as enthusiastic, dedicated, and empathetic. Thank you, Emma, for being a friend of ADA. And would you like to share about any upcoming Club Soda events? Um, let's see, we had movie night on Sunday to kick off this week, and then we'll have a chapel later in the month of November with one of our members' dads talking about theology of disabilities, so be on the lookout for that. And we'll have a table out in the Billy later this week. There's opportunities to win gift cards and to learn more about we, what we are and what we're all about. Thank you. This is nice. Uh, it's great to honor people that have done very good things. So we appreciate both of you very much. Well, now we have two people who are willing to share about their disability, but that's not the big thing. They're sharing their journey about how God works in their lives. Disability just happens to be one of the venues in which they're learning these things. So we are going to ask that Grace comes forward first and shares for a few minutes but Grace uh, Gaskill or Schroeder now, and that's recent. Uh, just glad to have you here and sharing and telling us about who you are and what you've done. 
And then um, David Fendrick is going to share after that, instead of me coming up and introducing again, he will be coming up and be the second speaker for the day. So thank you. Hi, good morning. My name is Grace Schroeder. You can call me Grace Gaskell, but that isn't my name anymore because I'm married. I am a senior professional writing major. And I chose to come to Northwestern on a whim. Um, I had a friend who told me about Northwestern, and I looked up the webpage, and I thought the webpage looked pretty good, so I applied, and I packed up, and I moved here. And I didn't have any friends or any family, but now, four years later, I have some really good friendships, and I have a husband, and I've established a life for myself here that I love. My three years, almost four years here in college have not been easy at all. College is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. I mean, let's be honest, college is really hard. It's really stressful and we all feel like it's the hardest thing we've ever had to do. But for me, college is hard because I have bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder can be easily misunderstood. Sometimes I appear to be overly moody, or I can be really non-committal. Um, bipolar is even a word that we use to describe Minnesota weather. But bipolar disorder is way more than mood swings or flakiness or an adjective to describe weather. If I had to describe bipolar disorder in one word, I would probably say it's aggravating. I spend many days stuck in bed on end with the deepest of depression, or I might have days of mania that result in productivity and excitement and friendliness. There was one time in particular in my freshman year here um, where I was awake for 72 hours straight, and it wasn't because I had a lot of homework. It was because I was manic, and I was awake at 2 in the morning painting and thinking I was profound and ordering things like backpacks online. And it just didn't make any sense, and I couldn't control it. Um, people with bipolar disorder often use the words high and low to describe how they're feeling rather than happy or sad or manic or depressed because those words can be kind of scary or they don't really accurately describe how we feel. So high and low are kind of this, these safe, relatable words. When I'm low, I have little will to live, and when I'm high, I feel amazing. The highs can make me really fun to be around, but bipolar disorder is like a never-ending roller coaster for me and for the people around me. Bipolar can mean that my mood shifts like hour to hour. I could be having a really rough day, but then I could swing to the opposite side and be having an amazing day. It doesn't have to be day to day though. It could be, uh, or it doesn't have to be hour to hour. It could be day to day, or even you'll have a week of depression and then a week of mania. Um, but it could even be seasons of life, which I've experienced all of it, and thankfully now, more recently, it has become seasons of depression and seasons of life is really good and I'm gonna be okay. Um, bipolar disorder has impacted all of my relationships, some for the better and some for the worse. 
I have lost friends because of my disorder. However, I have also gained a husband in spite of my disorder, so if you have a disorder, all hope is not lost. Bipolar and other mental disorders are really hard because we feel terrible inside. But we aren't actually sick, so we still have to show up for class and turn in our assignments. And the thing is, is that we don't want to. We don't feel like it. It doesn't matter to us, but we still have to do it. Bipolar disorder makes me feel incredibly close to God, and it makes me feel very far from him at the exact same time. One of the passages for Disability Awareness Week is Ephesians 4. I won't read the entire chapter right now, but verse 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then later it talks about how God has equipped all of us with what we need to spread the kingdom. Everyone has a specific role in the kingdom, and God has equipped each person. God has given a certain amount of grace to each person depending on what he or she needs. God did not give me bipolar disorder, but he allows me to have it. And he has equipped me to handle this. And he continues to every day. Every single person here and on campus and in the world have obstacles in their life. Life is really hard and no one walks through it without a few scrapes and bruises some more than others. Bipolar is my obstacle and my greatest challenge, and it often consumes my life. But God has given me grace and allows me and equips me to handle it. And God will give you grace and equip you to handle your disorder or your disability or whatever obstacle you are facing. I am fascinated with the kingdom and when we look at the original Hebrew text in Genesis, we see that God turned the roiling chaos into tov, which is the Hebrew word for good. Everything God creates is good, and every moment is created by God. Therefore, every moment is tov. Even the deepest moments of depression or the highest highs of mania are tov. And that's hard to grasp because it doesn't feel tov. But because God created it, I have to know that it is tov. This tov word, yes, it translates to good, but it is far more powerful than our English word for good. God's kingdom has been unfolding since the beginning of time, and it is good, and we get to be a part of it. We all have something to contribute to the kingdom based on what God has given us. Sometimes I ask God why he gave me bipolar disorder. Sorry, I already said that he did not give me bipolar disorder. Sometimes I ask God why I have bipolar disorder and why he won't take it away from me. If Jesus died on the cross and, die, and if, sorry, if Jesus died on the cross and defeated sin, then why am I still stuck with bipolar disorder? But I've learned that dealing with bipolar disorder is one way I can contribute to the kingdom because others can see him through me. Some days I walk into class at the very last second because I had been fighting for hours to get out of bed. The only reason why I made it to class was because of God's grace. 
He is the one who sustains me and carries me through all of the facets of bipolar disorder. I see God working through my disorder every single day. And then I have numerous stories that I could share about that, but one in particular is my husband, Ty. Ty watched my life crumble and fall apart under the weight of depression. I went through a particularly trying season last year when we were just mere boyfriend and girlfriend. He saw some very ugly and terrifying sides of me and he honestly had grounds to break up with me, but instead he asked me to marry him. I never thought that I was going to get married because I had a hard time committing and I didn't know how to relate to people very well and I have this devilish disorder, so who would really want to marry me? But Ty saw right through my disorder. He saw me for who I am and he loved me. He still loves me. Ty is a gift from God, and I'm sure everyone who knows him feels the same way. He is so persistent and so understanding of this thing that runs my life. Being married is not easy in general, but being married with bipolar disorder is especially difficult. Thankfully, we know that God has called both of us into this relationship, and he has equipped us and is equipping us to make it through. We have several callings in life and several trials, and this is one of them. When I was first diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I thought it was something like the common cold. I was put on medication and I thought it was like an antibiotic. If I took my medicine and I got lots of rest, eventually the bipolar would leave. Unfortunately, that isn't the case. I've gone off and on my medication numerous times thinking that I've been healed and I'm okay now, but I'm slowly coming to terms that this is my life. People with mental disorders are still held to a standard. We still have to show up to things and we have to be reliable. And medication is one of the things that makes this possible. There is no shame in taking medication and taking time to care for yourself. And I didn't believe that this was true until a few months ago. I have learned that it is really good for me to do yoga every day and to make breakfast and to drink tea and to go for a walk. Yes, we all have very busy schedules, but taking 30 minutes or an hour out of your day to care for yourself is so important. And it will ultimately save you time in the long run when you're dealing with burnt out and feeling miserable for weeks. Disorder or not, take time for yourself. It isn't selfish, it's necessary. So anyway, all this to say, I wake up and I walk through every day with a mental disorder. It threatens to consume my life at times, but God has given me and continues to give me all that I need to be who he created me to be. He has given me a loving husband, and I am taking good medication, which makes me feel healthy and normal and like myself. I think it's easy to get frustrated with people who cancel plans or withdraw from the community. But likely, you have friends that suffer from depression or maybe bipolar disorder or another type of mood or mental disorder. It is very hard for us to talk about it. It's embarrassing and we don't feel like ourselves and we're not even sure where to begin with telling you. What we need from our friends and from our community is love and support. 
Keep showing up. Keep inviting us to events. Stay close and remind us of who we are. One of the reasons why I am standing here before you today is because I have a husband who wouldn't take no for an answer. Even when I tried to push him away, he stayed next to me. Having a friend in your life who will be so persistent and so loving like that is such an important factor in learning to live with a mental disorder. I'll pay you later for that. <laughs> Thank you, sister. Good morning. My name is David Fenwick. I'm the dean in the Student Life Office, and I'm the director of the Act 6 program here at Northwestern. I also teach courses in intercultural, biblical, and communication studies on occasion, and some of you I see in the audience I recognize from classes that I've taught. I must admit that I'm a little surprised and a little nervous, particularly because this is so personal be standing on this stage during Disability Week. Not because I lack some personal or knowledge of disabilities. My sister has multiple sclerosis and my mother, like Grace, struggle with manic depression or what we today call bipolar disorder. I just never thought that I would be talking to anyone about my having a disability. A disability that is progressive and has no cure. I've always been the picture of health, so it was a shock to me when the, I had to wrestle with my own diagnosis of an advancing disability. Before I share my story, I want to reflect on some of what God has been teaching me the past few years as I've learned to live with the disease that is slowly but steadily stealing my body's ability to function. I think there's a myth in our white, middle, upper-class U.S. culture, a myth that has infected the body of Christ a narrative that has created a false theology that either separates us from suffering or denies its reality and purpose in our lives. The myth which gives meaning to our lives and provides false answers to our difficult questions and realities in our pursuit of happiness goes something like this. If we give our lives to Jesus, God will fill our lives with blessings so that we can experience deep and lasting happiness. God will give us the desires of our heart. And should sickness, trials, suffering, disease, disability, mental illness, or any kind of other tragedy interrupt our blessed happiness, we can rest in the knowledge that our, these experiences are not a normal part of the Christian life. Everything happens for a reason, they say, and we can take, God, take comfort that God is sovereign, whatever that means. This might be the do dominant narrative of our culture, but it is not the story of the Christian life. Jesus told us that we will have suffering, trials, and sorrows in this world. Suffering, tragedy, pain, sickness, and illness, disability are guaranteed. So if we know that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, as Paul says, just what is the purpose of suffering and the good God is working? For me personally, what is the purpose, the good God is working in my disease? I think we find the answer in Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul writes the following in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. 
So far, I like this word of the Lord. But it'll change here. Because of this faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to God sharing, to sharing, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. I still like this word so far. What other good news does Paul have to tell us in this passage in Romans chapter 5? Now we can rejoice in our afflictions. What? Now we can rejoice in our afflictions? What happened to the privilege, peace, and joy? Where did it go? This needs some explanation for me. So I want Paul to explain himself. Now, he says, we can rejoice when we experience afflictions and suffering, for we know the afflictions and suffering help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our hope. Let me repeat that again. Now we can rejoice when we experience afflictions, for we know that afflictions and suffering help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character, our confidence and hope. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how God dearly loves us, because God has given us the spirit to fill our hearts with God's perfect love. I just want to read that again. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how God dearly loves us, because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with God's perfect love. And then Paul closes with this line in this section. You see, he says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the right time. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the right time. As some of, in the, some of us in this room know and people have shared this week so far, life doesn't always go the way we planned. Life has unforeseen sufferings and tragedies that Jesus guaranteed would come our way, even in our life with God. Life, particularly our life in Christ, doesn't turn out often the way we expected. But that's not a reason to avoid following Jesus. That's just a reason to make sure we have the proper expectations of life, our Christian life. Or rather, a sense of expectancy, as Paul writes. Expectancy that God is going to work in and through our suffering in ways that will refine and perfect us so that we grow in character. Filling our hearts with God's Holy Spirit so that we become more like Jesus. More patient and kind, more selfless, more hopeful, more loving. It can, be easy to get up caught to, it can be easy to be caught up in our cultural expectations of life, expectations that are far different than anything God intended. Our culture tells us that the purpose of life is to pursue happiness, to find our happy ever after. We then expect our lives in Christ to be full of happiness and free from pain and suffering in this world around us. But life will never deliver on that expectation. Life is not about happiness. Life is about God working in all things for good for those who loved him and are called according to his purpose. Ultimately, afflictions and suffering, our disabilities are about God refining our character, filling our hearts with his perfect love, and making us holy. I've discovered that my disability, ultimately, 
is part of my spiritual formation toward becoming more like Christ in character and love. It is a spiritual endeavor toward holiness, what John Wesley called perfection and love, a love that needs the Holy Spirit's sanctifying help every step of the way. Holiness or perfection in love is not a destination that we arrive at someday. It is a continual process and work of the Holy Spirit in the midst of and as a result of my disability. And in that sense, as my disability progresses, strength of character and love will always have the capacity to grow. And that gives me a hope that will not lead to disappointment. So a little bit about my personal story. Four years ago, after many months of tests, medical procedures, and visits to specialists, I was diagnosed with a progressive incurable disease that is slowly but relentlessly robbing my ability of its body to function and move. I told you this was personal. My brain is not producing enough dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter or a chemical released by neurons, our nerve cells that send signals to other nerves to tell the body to move and work. As a result, my body is stiff and in constant pain. Some days I struggle to do simple tasks like buttoning my shirt and tying my shoes. Nearly every day I have to tell myself how to walk just to put one foot in front of the other. To a limited extent, this can be managed with medication, diet, stretching, and exercise. I have what is called early onset Parkinson's disease. It is similar, but a little different to the disease that actor Michael J. Fox has, the boxer Muhammad Ali had, and former U.S. Attorney Janet, Janet Reno had. This is what God's been teaching me in the midst of this growing disease in my body as I have become continually aware that God is with me in this journey and invited God's Spirit to work in my disability to strengthen my character towards holiness, as I have experienced the Holy Spirit filling my heart with Christ's perfect love, I have come to know God's presence in new ways, ways I never thought possible. You see, when we are utterly helpless, Paul tells us, Christ came at just the right time. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. And thus I can rejoice in my affliction. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we come to you in this morning with a lack of words to express our great joy at the love you have for us. Help us to lay down our expectations in life of love we think the Christian life will be, but to embrace the promise of Jesus, as painful as it is to understand that we will experience suffering and trials in this life. Help us to surrender ourselves when we are utterly helpless to experience your arrival at just the right time to meet our need. Whatever our struggle is, um, whether it be disability or mental health or physical disability or struggles in our own family, whatever the trials and tribulations that come our way, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in such a way that it would help us to grow in Christian character, that your good work would go 
to work in our lives, perfecting us to be more like Jesus every day. Help us to honor and serve one another and care for one another so particularly the weakest among us can be seen, as Paul said, as the most important parts of the body of Christ because it helps us to realize our need for one another. May we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that you are with us. We pray all this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.